Chapter Four of Catherine Lauderdale, Volume One, by Francis Marion Crawford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Four. Ralston said nothing at first. Then he looked at Catherine as though expecting that she should speak again and explain her meaning, in spite of her having said that she had not meant to do so what is this other reason he asked after a long pause it would take so long to tell you about it she answered thoughtfully and even if i did i am not sure that you would understand it belongs well to quite another set of ideas it must be something rather serious if it means marriage now or marriage never it is serious and the worst of it is that you will laugh at it and i am sure you will say that i am not honest to myself and yet i am you see it is connected with things about which you and i don't think alike religion suggested ralston in a tone of inquiry catherine bowed her head slowly sighed just audibly and looked away from him as she leaned back nothing could have expressed more clearly her conviction that the subject was one upon which they could never agree i don't see why you should sigh about it said ralston in a tone which expressed relief rather than perplexity i often wonder why people generally look so sad when they talk about religion almost everybody does how ridiculous exclaimed katherine with a little laugh besides i wasn't sighing exactly i was only wishing it were all arranged your religion don't talk like that i'm in earnest don't laugh at me jack dear please i'm not laughing can't you tell me how religion bears on the matter in hand that's all i need to know i don't laugh at religion at yours or anyone else's i believe i have a little inclination to it myself yes i know but well i don't think you have enough to save a fly not the smallest little fly jack never mind you're just as nice dear i don't like men who preach i'm glad of it but what has all this to do with our getting married listen it's perfectly clear to me and you can understand if you will i have almost made up my mind to become a catholic you ralston stared at her in surprise you a roman catholic yes holy roman catholic an apostolic is that clear jack perfectly i'm sorry now don't be a puritan jack i'm not a puritan i haven't a drop of puritan blood you have katherine for your grandmother was one of the real old sort i've heard my father say so you're just as much a lauderdale as i am retorted katherine and if scotch presbyterians are not puritans what is but that isn't what i mean it's the tendency to wish that people were nothing at all rather than catholics it's not that i'm not so prejudiced i was thinking of the row that's all you don't mean to keep that a secret too it wouldn't be like you no indeed answered katherine proudly well you've not told me what the connection is between this and our marriage you don't suppose that it will really make any difference to me do you you can't and you're quite mistaken about my puritanism i would much rather that my wife should be a roman catholic than nothing at all i'm broad enough for that anyhow 
Of course, it's a serious matter, because people sometimes do that kind of thing, and then find out that they have made a mistake when it's too late. And there's something ridiculous and undignified about giving it up again when it's once done. Religion seems to be a good deal like politics. You may change once, people won't admire you, I mean people on your old side, but they will tolerate you. But if you change twice... I'm not going to change twice. I've not quite, quite made up my mind to change once yet. But if I do, it will make things, I mean our marriage, almost impossible. Why? The Catholics do everything they can to prevent mixed marriages, Jack, especially in our country. You would have to make all sorts of promises which you wouldn't like, and which I shouldn't want you to make. Ralston laughed, suddenly comprehending her point of view. I see, he exclaimed. Of course you see, it's as plain as day. I want to make sure of you, dear. She laid her hand softly on his, and I also want to be sure of being perfectly free to change my mind about my religion, if I wish to. It's a stroke of diplomacy. I don't know much about diplomatic proceedings, laughed Ralston, but this strikes me as, well, very intelligent, to say the least of it. Catherine's face became very grave, and she withdrew her hand. "'You mean that it does not seem to you perfectly honest,' she said. "'I didn't say that,' he answered, his expression changing with hers. "'Of course the idea is that if you are married to me before you become a Catholic, your church can have nothing to say to me when you do.' "'Of course, yes. You couldn't be called upon to make any promises.' But if I should decide, after all, not to take the step, there would be no harm done. On the contrary, I shall have the advantage of being able to put pressure on Uncle Robert, as I explained to you before. I didn't say I thought it wasn't honest, said Ralston. It's rather deep, and I'm always afraid that deep things may not be quite straight. I should like to think about it, if you don't mind. I want you to decide. I've thought about it. Yes, but... Well, suppose that, after thinking it over for ever so long, you should come to the conclusion that I should not be acting perfectly honestly to my conscience. That's the worst you could discover, isn't it? Even then, and I believe it's an impossible case, it's my conscience and not yours. If you were trying to persuade me into a secret marriage because you were afraid of the consequences, it would be different. "'Rather!' exclaimed Ralston vehemently. "'But you're not. You see, the main point is on my account, and it's I who am doing all the persuading for that reason. It may be un—un—what shall I call it? Not like a girl at all. But I don't care. Why shouldn't I tell you that I love you? We've both said it often enough, and we both mean it, and I mean to be married to you. The religious question is a matter of conviction.' You have no convictions, so you can't understand. I have one or two, little ones. Not enough to understand what I feel, that if religion is anything, then it's everything except our love. No, that wasn't an afterthought. It's not coming between you and me. Nothing can. But it's everything else in life, or else it's nothing at all, and not worth speaking of. And if it is, if it really is, why then, for me, as I look at it, it means the Catholic Church. If I talk as though I were not quite sure, it's because I want to be quite on the safe side. And if I want you to do this thing, 
it's because i want to be absolutely sure that hereafter no human being shall come between us i know all about the difficulties in these mixed marriages i've made lots of inquiries there's no question of faith or belief or anything of the sort in their objections it's simply a matter of church politics and i dare say that they are quite right about it from their point of view and that if one is once with them one must be with them altogether in policy as well as in religion but i'm not as far as that yet perhaps i never shall be after all i want to make sure of you oh jack don't you understand i can't talk well but i know just what i mean tell me you understand and that you'll do what i ask it's very hard said ralston bending his head and looking at the carpet i wish i knew what to do Womanlike, she saw that she was beginning to get the advantage go over it all dear in the first place it's entirely for my sake and not in the least for yours so you can't say there's anything selfish in it if you do it for me can you you don't want to do it you don't like it and if you do it you'll be making a sacrifice to please me in marrying you ralston laughed a little and then became very grave again yes in marrying me it's a mere formality and nothing else we're not going to run away afterward nor meet in the dark in gramercy park nor do anything in the least different from what we've always done until i've got what i want from uncle robert then we'll acknowledge the whole thing and i'll take all the blame on myself if there is any you'll do nothing of the kind interrupted ralston unless you tell a story that's not true you won't be able to find anything to blame yourself with answered katherine so it will be all over and it will save no end of bother and expense which is something as neither of us nor our people have any money to speak of and a wedding costs ever so much i needn't even have a trousseau just a few things of course and poor papa will be glad of that you needn't laugh you'll be doing him a service as well as me and you can see how i can put it to uncle robert don't you uncle robert we're married that's all what are you going to do about it nothing could be plainer than that could it nothing now he will simply have to do something perhaps he'll be angry at first but that won't last long he'll get over it and laugh at my audacity but that isn't the main point it's perfectly conceivable that you might work and slave at something you hate for years and years until we could get married in the regular way the principal question is the other my freedom afterwards to do exactly as i please about my religion without any possibility of anyone interfering with our marriage catherine do you really mean to say that if you were a catholic and if the priest said that we shouldn't be married you would submit if i couldn't i couldn't katherine answered if i were a catholic and a good catholic and i wouldn't be a bad one no marriage but a catholic one would be a marriage at all for me and if they refused it what could i do go back that would be lying to myself to marry you in some half regular way hush child you don't know what you're talking about yes i do perfectly and you wouldn't like that so you see what my position is it's absolutely necessary to my future happiness that we should be quietly married some morning tomorrow if you like but certainly in a day or two and that nobody should know anything about it until i've told uncle robert after all said ralston hesitating 
it will be very much the same thing as though we were to run away provided we faced everybody at once very much better because there'll be no scandal and no immediate starvation which is something worth considering it won't really be a secret marriage except for the mere ceremony then that looks different somehow of course you don't suppose that i thought of taking so much trouble and doing such a queer thing just for the sake of knowing all to myself that i was married do you besides secrets are always idiotic things somebody always lets them out before one is ready and it's not as though there were any good reason in the world why we should not be married except the money question we're of age and suited to each other and all that naturally and ralston laughed again well then it seems to me that it's all perfectly clear it amounts to telling everybody the day after instead of the day before the wedding do you see i suppose i ought to go on protesting but you do make it very clear that there's nothing underhand about it except the mere ceremony and as you say we have a perfect right to be married if we please and we do please don't we with all our hearts ralston answered in a dreamy tone then when shall it be jack catherine leaned towards him and touched his hand with her fingers as though to rouse him from the reverie into which he seemed to be falling the touch thrilled him and he looked up suddenly and met her glance he looked at her steadily for a moment and once more he felt that odd pleasurable unmanly moisture in his eyes with a sweeping wave of emotion that rose from his heart with a rush as though it would burst his throat he yielded to it altogether this time and catching her in his arms drew her passionately to him kissing her again and again as though he had never kissed her before he did not understand it himself and catherine was not used to it but she loved him too with all her heart as it seemed to her she had proved it to him and to herself more completely within the last half hour and she let her own arms go round him then a deep dark blush which she could feel rose slowly from her throat to her cheeks and she instinctively disentangled herself from him and drew gently back remember that it's for my sake not for yours dear she said her gray eyes were as deep as the dusk itself vaguely she guessed her power as she gave him one more long look and then rose suddenly and pretended to busy herself with the single light turning it up a little and then down ralston watched the springing curves that outlined her figure as she reached upward he was in many ways a strangely refined man in spite of all his sins and of his besetting sin in particular and refinement in others appealed to him strongly when it was healthy and natural he detested the diaphanous type of semi-consumptive with the angel face man or woman and declared that a skeleton deserved no credit for looking refined since he could not possibly look anything else but he delighted in delicacy of touch and grace of movement when it went with such health and strength as catherine had you are the most divinely beautiful thing on earth he said quietly catherine laughed but still she turned her face away from him then marry me she said laughing what a speech she cried an instant later just fancy if anyone could hear me not knowing what we've been talking about you were just in time then said ralston there's someone coming catherine turned quickly listened a moment and distinguished a footfall on the stairs outside the door 
she nodded and came to his side at once you will jack she said under her breath say that you will quick ralston hesitated one moment he tried to think but her eyes were upon him and he seemed to be under a spell they were close together and there was not much light in the room he felt that the shadow of something unknown was around them both that somewhere in the room a sweet flower was growing not like other flowers not common nor scented with spring a plant full of softly twisted tendrils and pale petals and turned in stamens a flower of moonleaf and fire bloom and dusk thorn drooping above their two heads like a blossom-laden bough bending heavily over two exquisite statues two statues that did not speak whose faces did not change as the night stole silently upon them but they were side by side very near and the darkness was sweet it was only an instant then their lips met yes he whispered and drew back as the door opened mrs lauderdale entered the room oh are you there jack she asked but without any surprise as though she were accustomed to find him with katherine yes answered ralston quietly i've been here ever so long how do you do cousin emma oh i'm so tired exclaimed mrs lauderdale i've been working all day long i positively can't see you ought not to work so hard said ralston you'll wear your eyes out no i'm strong and so are my eyes i only wanted to say that i was tired it's such a relief mrs lauderdale had been a very beautiful woman and was indeed only just beginning to lose her beauty she was much taller than either of her daughters but of a different type of figure from katherine and less evenly grown if such an expression may be permitted the hand was typical of the difference mrs lauderdale's was extremely long and thin but well made in the details though out of proportion in the way of length and narrowness as a whole katherine's hand was firm and full without being what is called a thick hand there was a more perfect balance between flesh and bone in the straight strong fingers mrs lauderdale had been one of those magnificent fair beauties occasionally seen in kentucky a perfect head with perfect but small features superb golden hair straight clear eyes a small red mouth great dignity of carriage too with the something which has been christened dash when she moved quickly or did anything with those long hands of hers a marvellous constitution and the dazzling complexion of snow and carnations that goes with it very different from the softer milk and roses of the latin poet's mistress mrs lauderdale had always been described as dazzling and people who saw her for the first time used the word even now to convey the impression she made her age which was known only to some members of the family and which is not of the slightest importance to this history showed itself chiefly in a diminution of this dazzling quality the white was less white the carnation was becoming a common pink the gold of her hair was no longer gold all through but distinctly brown in many places though it would certainly never turn grey until extreme old age her movements too were less free though stately still the brutal word rheumatism had been whispered by the family doctor and to go back to her face there were undeniably certain tiny lines and many of them which were not the lines of beauty 
It was a brave, good face on the whole, gifted, sometimes sympathetic, and oddly cold when the woman's temper was most impulsive. For there is an expression of coldness which weakness puts on in self-defence. A certain narrowness of view, diametrically opposed to a corresponding narrowness in her husband's mind, did not show itself in her features. There is a defiant, supremely satisfied look which shows that sort of limitation. Possibly such narrowness was not natural with Mrs. Lauderdale, but the result of having been systematically opposed on certain particular grounds throughout more than a quarter of a century of married life. However that may be, it was by this time a part of her nature, though not outwardly expressed in any apparent way. She had not been very happy with Alexander Junior, and she admitted the fact. She knew also that she had been a good wife to him in every fair sense of the word, for although she had enjoyed compensations, she had taken advantage of them in a strictly conscientious way. Undeniable beauty of the kind which everyone recognizes instantly without the slightest hesitation is so rare a gift that it does indeed compensate its possessor for many misfortunes especially when she enjoys amusement for its own sake innocently and without losing her head or becoming spoiled and affected by constant admiration catherine lauderdale had not that degree of beauty and there were numerous persons who did not even care for what they called her style her sister charlotte had something of her mother's brilliancy indeed but there was a hardness about her face and nature which was apparent at first sight mrs alexander had always remained the beauty of the family and indeed the beauty of the society to which she belonged even after her daughters had been grown up she had outshone them even in a world like that of new york which does not readily compare mothers and daughters in any way and asks them out separately as though they did not belong to each other she had not been very happy and apart from any purely imaginary bliss procurable only by some miraculous changes in alexander junior's heart and head she believed that the only real thing lacking was money she had always been poor she had never known what seemed to her the supreme delight of sitting in her own carriage she had never tasted the pleasure of having five hundred dollars to spend on her fancies exactly as she pleased the question of dress had always been more or less of a struggle she had not exactly extravagant tastes but she should have liked to feel once in her life that she was at liberty to throw aside a pair of perfectly new gloves merely because when she put them on the first time one of the seams was a little crooked or the lower part was too loose for her narrow hand she had always felt that when she had bought a thing she must wear it out as a matter of conscience even if it did not suit her and there was a real little pain in the thought of which she was ashamed small things but womanly and human then too there was the constant chafing of her pardonable pride when ninety-nine of her acquaintances ordered the same thing and she was the hundredth who could not afford it and the subscriptions and the charity concerts and the theatre parties it was mainly in order to supply herself with a little money for such objects as these that she had worked so hard at her painting for years that she might not be obliged to apply to her husband for such sums on every occasion she had succeeded to some extent too and her initials had a certain reputation even with the dealers many people knew 
that those same initials were hers and a few friends were altogether in her confidence possibly if she had been less beautiful she would have been spoken of at afternoon teas as poor mrs lauderdale and people would have been found for society has its kindly side who would have half surreptitiously paid large sums for bits of her work even much more than her miniatures could ever be worth but she did not excite pity she looked rich as some people do to their cost people sympathized with her in the matter of alexander junior's character for he was not popular but no one thought of pitying her because she was poor on the contrary many persons envied her it must be such fun they said to be able to paint and really sell one's paintings a dashing woman with a lot of talent who can make a few hundreds in half an hour when she chooses said others what did she spend the money on on whatever she pleased probably in charity she was so good-hearted but those people did not see her as jack ralston saw her worn out with a long day's work her eyes aching her naturally good temper almost on edge and they did not know that Catherine Lauderdale's simple ball gowns were paid for by the work of her mother's hands It was just as well that they did not know it Society has such queer fits sometimes somebody might have given Catherine a dress But Ralston was in the secret and knew One may be as strong as cast steel he said even that wears out ask the people who make engines You'll accomplish a great deal more if you go easy and give yourself rest from time to time Like you Jack observed mrs. Lauderdale not unkindly. Oh, I'm a failure I admitted the fact long ago I'm only fit for a bad example a sort of moral scarecrow Yes, I wonder why mrs. Lauderdale was tired and was thinking aloud I didn't mean to say that Jack she added frankly realizing what she had just said from the recollection of the sound of her own voice as people sometimes do who are exhausted or naturally absent-minded It wasn't exactly complimentary mother said Catherine coldly Besides is it fair to say that a man is a failure at Jack's age Patrick Henry was a failure at 23 he was bankrupt Patrick Henry exclaimed Ralston what do you know about Patrick Henry? Oh, I've been reading history. It was he who said give me liberty or give me death Was it I didn't know but I'm glad to hear of somebody who got smashed first and celebrated afterwards It's generally the other way like Napoleon and Julius Caesar Cardinal Wolsey Alexander the Great and John Gilpin it's easy to multiply examples as the books say You're much too clever for me this evening. I must be going home my mother and I are going to dine all alone and abuse our neighbors all the evening how delightful exclaimed Catherine thinking of the grim family table at which she was to sit as usual there had been some fine fighting in Charlotte's unmarried days but Catherine's opposition was generally of the silent kind yes answered Ralston there's nobody like my mother she's the best company in the world good night cousin Emma good night Catherine but Catherine followed him into the entry letting the library door almost close behind her it will be quite time enough if you come and tell me on the evening before it is to be she whispered hurriedly there's no party tomorrow night but on wednesday i'm going to the thirlwall's dance will any morning do asked ralston also in a whisper yes any morning now go quick 
that's enough dear there if you must go good night dear the process of leave-taking was rather spasmodic so far as Catherine was concerned ralston felt that same strange emotion once more as he found himself out upon the pavement of clinton place his head swam a little and he stopped to light a cigarette before he turned towards fifth avenue Catherine went back into the library and found her mother sitting as the two had left her and apparently unconscious that her daughter had gone out of the room he's quite right mother dear you are trying to do too much said Catherine, coming behind the low chair and smoothing her mother's beautiful hair kissing it softly and speaking into the heavy waves of it mrs lauderdale put up one thin hand and patted the girl's cheek without turning to look at her but said nothing for a moment it's quite true Catherine said you mustn't do it any more how smooth your cheek is child said mrs lauderdale thoughtfully so is yours mother dear no it's not it's full of little lines touch it you can feel them just there besides you can see them i don't feel anything and i don't see anything answered Catherine. but she knew what her mother meant and it made her a little sad even her she had been accustomed all her life to believe that her mother was the most beautiful woman in the world and she knew that the time had just come when she must grow used to not believing it any longer mrs lauderdale had never said anything of the sort before she had been supreme in her way and had taken it for granted that she was never referring to her own looks under any circumstances in the long silence that followed Catherine quietly went and closed the shutters of the windows for ralston had only pulled down the shades she drew the dark curtains across for the evening lit another gaslight and remained standing by the fireplace thank you darling said mrs lauderdale i do wish papa would let us have lamps or shades or something said Catherine, looking disconsolately at the ground glass globes of the gaslights he doesn't like them he says he can't see there was a short pause oh mother dear what in the world does papa like i wonder Catherine turned with an impatient movement as she spoke and her broad eyebrows almost met between her eyes hush child but the words were uttered wearily and mechanically mrs lauderdale had pronounced them so often under precisely the same circumstances during the last quarter of a century Catherine sighed a little out of patience and to some extent in pity for her mother but she stood looking across the room at the closed door through which ralston and she had gone out together five minutes earlier and she could still feel his last kiss on her cheek he had never seemed so loving as on that day and she had succeeded in persuading him against his instinctive judgment to promise her what she asked the maddest most foolish thing a girl's imagination could long for no matter with what half reasonable excuse but she had his promise which as she well knew he would keep and she loved him with all her heart the expression of mingled sadness and impatience vanished like a breath from a polished mirror she was unconscious that she looked radiantly happy as her mother gazed up into her face what a beautiful creature you are said mrs lauderdale in a tone unlike her natural voice End of chapter 4